0: So let's open up to Galatians once again, Galatians 5, Galatians 5, let's read from 16 to 24. This is the word of the Lord, it is eternally true. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit and the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings to our hearts. We thank you that the Holy Spirit makes us alive and regenerates us so that we can then live in a manner that glorifies you, glorifies your Son, glorifies the Spirit. Father, as we think about the fruit of the Spirit, we pray that you would give us the Spirit so that our thoughts would be uh, right and proper on, on this. So help us guide this class, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So last time we went through the deeds of the flesh, right? And went through that long list of, of um, characteristics and sins and immoralities that are um, listed there in verses 19 all the way through 21. And. Notice at the end of 21 that this is not the first time that the Apostle Paul has warned the the churches of this region uh, about these particular sins. He says, I forewarned you just as I have forewarned you. Uh, He's coming back to these things. It is not not his first time bringing up uh, these particular sins. And then notice those very strong words: those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we made a—I made a distinction. You may have been happy or unhappy with it um, between practicing a sin and temporary lapsing, temporarily lapsing into a sin. Um, I mean, if if practice doesn't mean a long run of that sin, and it's only talking of lapsing into sin, then King David did not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Um, and how many other saints are we going to have to add to the list? The Apostle Paul didn't uh, inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, I mean, just on and on. Peter certainly wouldn't have inherited the kingdom of heaven. And uh, and so, but this is... Um, but but what distinguishes David and Peter is their repentance. They were not happy to be uh, committing murder and adultery and, and denying the Lord, right? And uh, Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. David, under conviction, um, admits that he is the man and repents of his sin and does not, um, as far as Uh, the testimony of Scripture, go back to that sin. Um, So, that word practice is important. It's those who claim faith, it's those who have a profession of faith, but then practice a sin, live in it, don't have any conviction about it, retain it, and walk in it, and, um, and are, in a sense, unwilling to give it up. Okay, notice, um, notice this, uh, I mean, the, the conviction only for, from here to the end of the letter, you know, having emphasized justification by faith alone apart from works, now he gets into this section where he's like, okay, justification is one thing, sanctification now um, will look like this. The Spirit's work will look like this. You will be sanctified. It is impossible for a Christian not to be sanctified. It's impossible. If, if there is no sanctification, you are not a Christian. It, it just If the Spirit is in you, if you've been made alive by the Spirit, the Spirit continues to do His work until the day that you die and you are glorified and perfected. And so, um, today we get to think about just exactly what sanctification looks like and what the Spirit's work looks like. The first thing to point out is that it's called the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Why does the Holy Spirit refer to it, refer to the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit? Why, why couldn't you have just said the deeds of the Spirit? Any thoughts? Yeah. I'm unclear what you're saying. Can you rephrase it, and maybe I'll, it'll get through my thick skull? Oh, no, I, I, I'm I, just no, unclear. No, I know. I, I just I'm don't trying, get it. I'm trying to explain what, what I believe, and which is perhaps unusual, yeah. that there is a dichotomy in the body between the, in the person, okay. between the mind, and the body. And the spirit and the spirit. Yeah, I I, th- I think we're diverging from one another a bit. Yeah, the mind the yeah the mind is not the spirit. The mind the mind is part of the body. I would say I don't know. I mean, we're getting beyond my pay grade at this point. Um, but but the mind is fallen in the fall. Therefore, it's fleshly, right? Our minds are corrupted just like our flesh, our bodies, our minds, our souls are corrupted, right? And the, the mind needs to be redeemed, right? And so, um, but we don't want to conflate mind and spirit. Um, and, and yet the mind is very important when it comes to the pursuit of sanctification post-regeneration, uh, post-enlightenment of the mind, Right? But, it, but it, is still, it is still fleshly. The spirit is independent of the mind. Um, but, but getting back to my original question, and I, I, I think I, I may know what you're, you're getting at there, but why deeds of the flesh, and maybe it's just simpler, deeds of the flesh and fruit of the spirit? How so? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah okay good- a couple good things there that I'll bring out in a minute okay okay um, the deeds of the flesh uh our works, I mean, he's being very careful with the word deeds, right? Remember the rest of the book. You're not saved by works, as a main point. But then he uses the word deeds for your sinful acts, but he wants to avoid it when it comes to speaking of the Spirit, lest we take credit for the Spirit's work. Right? We don't want it, we can't take credit for the Spirit's work. And so whatever good in us whatever way we imitate Christ is a result of the spirit producing that in us. Yes, it leads to deeds, but it's not our deed. It is a derivative of the presence of the spirit in us that gives rise like, like a tree produces fruit. Does a tree try to produce fruit? No, it just does by its very nature. And so when the Spirit is in us, what happens? Fruit happens, okay? It, it arises within us and then, and then becomes um, action, right? It becomes actionable or however we want to put it. Deeds of the flesh, man, that's our works. That's us by our nature, before we're regenerate, those deeds of the flesh, just, you know, that's, that's what we produced. Um, and we still do, even after regeneration, because of the remainder of indwelling sin in us, right? There's still a remainder of indwelling sin. And at, time, at times, those, uh, those deeds are done, okay? So, I think what's really important is not so much that he calls the deeds of the flesh deeds, but that he doesn't call the works of the Spirit deeds. Calls calls the works of the Spirit fruit. And it's singular. Did you notice that? It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruits. Now take a stab at that. Why is it singular and not plural? Okay. It, it It would be God's whether it was singular or plural One vine, right? um, one vine can have many fruits. I don't know i'm I'm just work go ahead yes, that's it. That's it. I'll say it. I'll say it. It's singular because it is one thing. You don't just get to pick and choose the fruit of the Spirit. You will, all of these things that are about to be listed will be manifested in the Christian's life. Not six of the eight, or however many there are. Not one of the seven, But all of these, because that is a fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so, this is not like special gifts. The gifts are given individually and different according to one another. But the fruit of the Spirit is the same across the board for all who are regenerate and have the Holy Spirit within them. These things will appear in the life of the Christian. And that's why it's singular here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. All those boring, holy fruit. Right? And it's kind of, you know, what's that bumper sticker about no good women ever made any history or it's only bad women who, who made history? That feminist statement, you ever see that on bumper stickers? What is it, Sarah? Have you ever seen that? Well-behaved women rarely make history. Yeah, well-behaved women rarely make history. Thank you, Chuck. and there's something in us that's like yeah that's right you know there's some like individualistic strain in us that and some rebellious strain that's like yeah that's right and so we read the deeds of the flesh and we're like man that's that's some good stuff and then we read the the fruit of the spirit and we're like boring and it's the devil playing games with us it's the devil trying to convince us that being like god is is horrible, but being like him, you know, fallen angel who who wanted to be God, uh, being like him is much more interesting, you know. And so, even in reading these, that's the uh, sort of the first hurdle that I have to get past is, um, you know, the 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 content of the fruit of the spirit. These things, though, are glorious, glorious and wonderful if they manifest in our lives. Sarah. Yes. That, that's not the fruit of the spirit is mine in you. That's like you have a good moment here, there. Like this uh, the goal is that this is our general Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and generally over the course of our sanctification we should, our ability to uh for the fruit to produce these qua- characteristics, these qualities in us should increase you're certainly given more and more and more and more opportunities to exercise this godliness the longer the Lord keeps you from being glorified, right? And so these should should be manifest in our lives. Um, so think about, think about what we're talking about now. We're sort of shifting into sanctification or an aspect of sanctification. The whole first five chapters of the book has been justification. He just hit that and hit that and hit that. How are you made right with God? God declares you righteous, not on the basis of your works, but by faith and by faith alone. He's hitting that, hitting that, hitting that, hitting that. And now we're into this, you know, and... and if the Spirit's in you, it will change your life. And so the work of God on, the work of God through Christ results in justification. The work of God through the Spirit results in transformed, changed lives. Old dogs can learn new tricks. Somebody can come to faith when they're 88 years old and the fruit of the Spirit begins manifesting in their life. After 88 years of just a rut of godlessness, they can come to faith and suddenly the fruit of the Spirit begins springing up in their lives. It's so encouraging, right? And the first one that usually springs up is just peace. Finally, peace. 88 years of not having inward peace ever or peace with anybody else that's around me. And then there's peace. Um, a glorious gift from God. And so, so God works in these ways. He justifies. He changes lives. You are a new person. You are transformed. And you are being transformed by the Spirit who dwells within you. The Spirit... Always produces fruit. The Spirit always produces fruit. God always produces fruit. The Spirit always produces fruit. God takes, this is from a commentary I was reading on this passage, God takes selfish, self centered, prideful, lustful, critical, miserable people and puts love, joy, and peace in our hearts patience kindness goodness into our relationships and faithfulness gentleness and self-control into our backbone that is into our wills okay that's that is what god does Fruit arises from the spirit within like a tree produces an apple. It it's, doesn't take effort. Deeds take effort. Fruit is the inevitability of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The fruits, it's all present and all developing. All these characteristics are developing on some level or not. They're either all present and developing or they're not present and not developing. Um... Gifts of the Spirit may be present only in certain individuals. Fruit of the Spirit is present in all believers. And so the test of whether you have the Spirit is not what you do particularly, but who you are. What is your character? Right? What is your... What do you exhibit godliness Okay. Do you exhibit godliness? Do you produce fruit? Um, that should wildly encourage you. This work of the Spirit should encourage you. You know, you, none of us have fully arrived at any of these. None of us have perfect love. None of us have perfect joy. None of us have perfect peace. But that's where we're headed. You know, It takes a death in between to get to the perfect state, right? But, even before then, there should be progress. And so, um, you know, going cosmic for a little bit. Well, I'll just say this to wrap that up. Um, God is at work in you. Your life is not static. Static. You don't have to spin your tires like you have been for the past year for the rest of your life. If God is at work, if the Spirit is producing fruit, right? There will be change. There will be transformation. There will be this, what's, what's called, you know, the, being conformed to Christ. All right? Do we believe that? Do we feel it? Do we sense it, spirits work, or do you just get more and more discouraged as you go through the Christian life? It's a rhetorical question. I just wanted to see if anybody would answer it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, you're exhibiting the the fruit of the spirit of self-control. Yes. Have you done that? I have. Yeah, I've gotten my parents several times over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah. And asked them, do you see changes? And they were. And they say, yeah, we can see. Good. Good. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, I I wrote in my notes. Um, something about everybody's out to everybody's out to change the world, right? Everybody's out to transform the world. It's everybody's goal. So we're not where we need to be. We need to be here. And some people think it's education, right? If we have an educated people, then we'll have a virtuous society. Then we will, you know, be able to coexist. Um, some people, th- some people uh, believe that you change the world by um, politics, you know, by, by um, working with people to come to co- a consensus. That's politics, right? Um, well, some politics. Right, not totalitarian politics, but there's there's no consensus. But um, but some some people will look to statecraft and to um, the crafting of law and politics in order to to get to where we need to be in this world so that we can live together in peace. And we look on in Israel right now, and uh, you have two very different worldviews at war with one another. You have the, uh, the secular Jews who have an American sort of materialistic worldview, right? And then you have Hamas, which has a deeply religious Islamic worldview, right? They don't have any compunction Jumping over fences and raping and killing people, okay? Do you think that is part of their worldview? Yes, very much so. It's their religion, and so, um, and so you know we, we see them at war with one another, and we we see the the raging of of differences, and then we see we see civilians who. Are innocent in all of this, getting killed on both sides, which sort of, that's where I'm at right now and processing the whole thing, is women and children are being killed when they should not be on either side, right? It's wicked, it's just as wicked for Israel to do that as for Hamas, as it was for the United States in the 40s. Um, But, but all these groups think that they're changing the world and that this is their means of changing the world. And I'm telling you that there is no way to change the world other than the Holy Spirit changing the character of the people of the world. That's the only possible way there will ever be peace is if the Holy Spirit makes a whole ton of Christians right? The Holy Spirit changes character, the character, the fundamental character of people, and the Spirit is the only one who can, who can do that. Everybody else has their means and methods and, and forms and structures that they think will lead to change, but it will not, because that wicked heart will still be at war with every one of your neighbors. And so, the fruit of the spirit. I mean, we're talking about if 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 the world is going to change, the spirit has to work, and we ought to be crying out to God that the spirit would work, because there is so much suffering and evil, and effects of the fall. And wouldn't it be wonderful to see the spirit poured out? Right in a way that we haven't seen in our lifetime or in a number of generations, see the Spirit poured out and suddenly seeing uh, ethnic, ethnic Jews actually have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, have formerly uh, Islamic... Men and women exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And the very ones who jumped over the fences and did their wicked deeds would be the ones who would then exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. And so, I mean, we're focused on life together as a church and we're focused on our our family life and we're focused on our individual life and exhibiting these fruits. But there's like a cosmic take on this. You know, this is the only way that that there will be peace across the the world. This is the only way there'll be peace across the the divisions we see everywhere. Right? And so it's not going to be through... um, Instituting some educational system in K through 12 in Palestine. Although there are sh- I'm sure there are people that if they were just educated properly, they wouldn't be poor and then they wouldn't be mad. Right? And that will cure it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You'll just want to kill each other even more. Unless you have the fruit of the Spirit. So we live in the midst of an absolutely bloodthirsty, violent world. It's just, it's horrifying in a sense, right? It's horrifying in a sense, and God's judgment will will right all of those wrongs, right? God's justice will Will deal with every single sin that's been committed against anybody ever in the history of the world, and so we don't have to take vengeance into our own hands, right? We don't. Let's leave room for the wrath of God, right? And and it will be perfect, and it will, you know, out of He, he will dash the nations with the sword that comes from His mouth. Jesus will, and. And yet, we ought to be praying that the Spirit would come and change hearts. You know, that the Spirit would be poured out and we would see revival and we would see the the courage of the church increase, the strength and the, the, the glory of the church increase because of the godliness of the household. It's the household of God. The church is the household of God. And we think of the church as an afterthought. But the Spirit, the Spirit, um, this is the way that we change the world. We don't advocate for this or that work, this or that deed, this or that platform. We, We pray that the Spirit does the work of changing things. So that's what we have. Thankfully, the Spirit is omnipotent. (laughs) So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Oh, man. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. There's no weapon quite like that. And so, okay. So coming back down to Earth from the stratosphere. Um. I mean, I just I. I guess I'm still in the stratosphere. Maybe. Maybe it's only about ten feet off the ground. I don't know. Um, But I'm afraid of heights, so it seems like it's the stratosphere. (laughs) No. Reign it in. rein it in. Self-control. Self-control. Um, I just see what the, the, the people that I went to college and graduate school with, I see what they've dedicated their lives to. You know, and all of us can do this. We see what the people we once had deep relationships with are now saying is how the, this is how the world will be saved, you know, and I have friends who are in education. If we just make college education better, then we will have better society, right? We just need to learn, teach college teachers how to teach. So he runs a big think tank, you know, and I see others who have, um, who've just gone after money, I see others who have gone into the arts, and they really do think that art is the means to change the world, right? As we expose certain things through artwork, as we bring to light certain actionable things, and art becomes protest, you know, and protest becomes art, and all these things, and, and none, of, none of those things have the power to make any lasting change certainly not to bring peace between factions all it does is exacerbate factions it will just make the pain, it will make the divisions increase and the factiousness increase but the Holy Spirit brought all of us together in this one church and we have nothing in common with one another you know And we love each other. It's crazy. And that's a fruit of the Spirit. We love each other. Right, Larry? You love me, right? Yes. (laughs) Well put. Um, But... I mean, my sermon this morning is on the church, and so that's why things are, are going the way they're going. But, but the, the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit produces peace. You know, we're not going to get past the like first three, um, right? Love, joy, peace. But that peace is, is, yeah, it's inner peace, it's all of that, yada, yada. But it's peace among people It's peace between Jew and Gentile. Right? It's peace between Arab and Israeli. But but they got to come to Christ. Because the spirit don't come through any other way than by putting your faith in Christ. All of this is reminding me of um, I've been reading Jen Elliott, well Elizabeth Elliott's book, Through the Nice. Um and I'm getting to the part where these men, these young men with families and um kids and young wives and and bright collegiate athletes and hmm Yes. Why? Because they were wanting to honor Christ. It's so like great. The cosmic thing that you're floating in to feed off the earth yeah. <laughs> is the supremacy of Christ. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They had their whole lives ahead of them. What terrible stewardship that they would go and die. Right. And so, in one of the chapters, it says, "Well, we're just going to be fools. We're going to be fools." <laughs> and I just thought, to the world, they were the dumbest people in ever. But to Christ, they—they. They He's. They it's wonderful. Yeah. And eventually it brought peace to that tribe. Yeah, but they had to, you know, like what you said, that comes from... And Elizabeth Elliott goes back after, yeah, and is the one who leads them to Christ. Um, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, is one of Jim Elliott's statements. Gives what he cannot keep is life gain what he cannot lose um, Christ so um, yeah this this is I I don't want to go I I don't want to leave this we have five minutes but um, that sense of Christ being supreme Christ being present Christ being the reason why we move and live and have our being, and why we woke up this morning, why we came together. Um, is, is there are very few people who have that sense about them. There are a lot of there are a lot of worldlings in the church. Who who, who Christ is not supreme, you know. Christ is not supreme. They're just going about the paces. Uh, getting, their, getting their directives from the world and, um, and going to church. But this sense of like, you know, to make a decision like that, to go, we're going to go to this unreached people group and they're violent. <laughs> yeah. And we know that on first contact, you know, there's a 50-50 chance <laughs> we're going to die. But they have the fruit of the Spirit, and it's love that they're demonstrating for unlovely people. They're demonstrating love to what, to someone who's a threat, who's an enemy. Just as Christ demonstrated His love for us, and that while we were still enemies, He died for us, right? And so... Um, It's the spirit that ignites that kind of love in the heart. There's no way they would have made a decision like that if the spirit had not just lit them on fire, you know. And here we are talking about it 75 years later, however many years it is. Um, And their, their works speak still, you know. And, you know, who was it, Epaphroditus in, in Philippians is mentioned, you know, hold in high honor Epaphroditus because he came close to dying for Christ. Well, what about those who, who died for Christ? Should be held in honor, right? How many missionaries went not knowing where they were going to get a meal, let alone whether they were going to make a convert, let alone whether they, gonna, they were going to survive, you know, um, and and so our definition. Uh, I, the, may the Holy Spirit stir up courage in this generation to think that courage goes far beyond um, having a phone call instead of texting, but actually, like getting on an airplane to try to convert an unconverted people and dying. We need courage today. Boy, we need courage. We need so much courage today. Um, well, love is the most fundal, fundamental and most important of the, the fruit of the Spirit, I believe. It is listed first. We could go to First John Um, 4, 7, and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love, right? So, it's fundamental to his ontology, right? Or that's, it. it is his ontology, that he is love is Right? And so that it should be fundamental to those who have been born again by the Spirit, who are members of his household, that they would demonstrate love. But what is love? <laughs> not to quote the song. That's the wrong answer. It's not primarily emotion, but sacrifice for others. Right? Sacrifice for others, love gives to others. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Right, love gives, and th- that was a sacrificial sort of giving, um, most definitely. And love is also sympathy. I think it's sacrifice and sympathy. Sympathy, entering into someone else's life, feeling what they feel without being overwhelmed as they are, right? Being strong, but nonetheless feeling what they're feeling so you can enter in and maybe help them out of that situation. That's what it means to be sympathetic. Empathetic means you just get in the mud with them and get covered with as much mud as they have on them. But sympathy is purposeful, right? You do want to get into their heads, you do want to be with them, you do want to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, but you do so from a position of strength, hoping to help them, um, doing so in order to move them elsewhere. And so love is, is part sacrifice, part sympathy, and it's not necessarily... It's not primarily emotion, although there's an emotional content to it. It, it causes great emotion, but it's, um, it is sacrifice and sympathy. So just, you know, on each of these, ask yourself, do I have that, that aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, love? You know, am I, am I a loving person? Am I sympathetic or... Um, we're anti-sympathetic. You're annoyed when people grieve, right? You're annoyed when people rejoice. You always are on the opposite end of the emotional spectrum from whatever anybody else is feeling. You know? That's pride, right? That's our pride that, that keeps us distant from people. You know, I'm not going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my distance. I'm not going to go there. Their, their tears are, are all selfish anyway. Right? We prejudge and then our pride doesn't allow us to, to love them, to enter in to be sympathetic. Some of you are very good at loving others. Very good at it. You don't prejudge. Um, and it's wonderful. You know, it's, it's just such an example to me. Um, you just... You just care for people. You're instantly sympathetic. You're instantly being sacrificial. You're instantly trying to help. And it's genuine. You know, it doesn't have to be forced at all. And so you should praise God if that describes you because that's the Holy Spirit who's produced that. You wouldn't be like that if you didn't have the Holy Spirit. So... Um, we'll stop there we'll pick up with joy and peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self- control uh next time but um that's what I have today so let's pray, Father, thank you for the spirit. thank you that you have not left us to our uh, ourselves but you have given us the spirit and The Spirit is producing fruit, and I pray that we would not do those things that hamper or grieve the Spirit, but, Father, that we would would obey the Spirit, that we would follow the Spirit, that we would not quench the Spirit. And so, when the Spirit is urging us to love, I pray that we would more and more say yes. Yes, love is the the call of this situation, and I will love. I will sacrifice. I will give up my time. I will enter into this. I will not prejudge. I will not protect myself. I will just love. And thank you for the love of Christ, Uh, Father, the perfect example of this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.